Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we're continuing part two of a series that we've called Lids. And what's the goal in this series? The goal in this series, Lids, is to really take the lid off our lives. The things that are holding us back. Have you ever had some things that have held you back? Can I hear a good amen? You know, last week we talked about the lid of limitation. And, I, you know, I believe that these messages aren't just messages, that cute little messages that we put together. These are actually messages that we believe that God wants to help use to break you through some things in your life. This is the year of breakthrough for our church. We're seeing people break through. Just heard a person testimony of breaking through financially. You know, I mean, it's a year of breakthrough and God wants you to break through. He really does. He wants you to break through. And today I want to talk about another lid that can be over our lives. Our lives. Today I want to talk about the lid of lies. The lid of lies. I'll ask you a question this morning. Have you ever lied to yourself? Have you ever lied to yourself? Let me give you a little example. I've done it. You know, we've done it. And uh, I remember I was heading to a place and, uh, you know, I was, I was running a little behind. And so I'm going, but I'm still going the speed limit, right? But uh, I saw a police officer pull over another person who was going fast. And I thought, <laughs> they never catch me. That's what I thought. My driving record is spick and span clean. I was like, I will never get caught. I have sped. Can I just bear my sins today? I'm going to have to take communion again, but let me just tell you this. Can I just be honest with you? And so I was, I was going through and I saw them and honestly, I thought, man, what, what an idiot, this guy. I mean, don't they know that the cops are all around? I even on my GPS, I have, it says it has a little police officer hat that they're in the area, you know? And so I was like, man, this, you know, and I'm just going through. Well, on the way back from where I was at, I was coming down a hill faster than I thought I was. And in the same spot, that that idiot over there got caught. I was listening to some worship music and I opened up my eyes and I saw what I thought was the glory of God, shining lights. I mean, it was beautiful. But then I, I looked back, how many of you know, and it was Ponch from Chips. How many of you know Ponch and John? You know, anybody knows some Ponch and John from the original Chips? And I thought, devil, you are a liar. And he pulled me, and I was, I was just so upset because I have a clean record. But I thought to myself, it's funny, here I am saying I would never get caught, and I got caught in less than an hour and a half later. And here's the, and I, I'm just being honest with you. Now, that's my only ticket, I'll be honest. I do, I will say I do have a lead foot. I do drive a little bit fast. And uh, anybody else willing to admit that so I'm not the only person up here? All right, good. All right, good. That's good. I'm glad we're not live streaming because people would see you on video. But here's what happens when we talk about the lid of lies. See, the lid of lies can be really subtle because what it really comes down to is just plainly believing the wrong thing. Just believing something that's wrong. And here's what happens. When you believe something that's wrong, lies always create limitations. Can I tell you that that ticket created a $350 limitation on my finances? $350. Oh my goodness. Did I learn my lesson? No. 
because I still drive fast. Come on, somebody. And if you're a police officer in here, just pray for me too. All right, just pray for me. Just pray for me. But you know what? What I've found is that lies will always limit you. They will always limit you. And lies will always put a lid on your life when we believe lies. But here's the truth. Knowing the truth liberates you. See, if lies limit us, then what happens is truth when it comes to our life, it liberates us. You know, Jesus said in John 8, 32, he said this, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you what? Free. Isn't that what we want? We want freedom. But listen, I want you to notice what the scripture does not say. It does not say truth sets you free. It doesn't say that. It says you have to know truth. See, it's the truth that I know that makes me free. So the more I know truth, the more free I become. The more the lid can come off my life. There's nothing that's holding me back. You know, I looked up this word truth because, you know, it seems like that can be a debatable word. But in the Greek, in this John chapter 8, verse 32, know the truth. It means this in the Greek. Truth means universal, universally what is true in any matter under consideration opposed to what is fictitious or false. Can I break it down and make it really simple? Truth is always truth no matter what. Truth is truth whether you feel it or not. It's always true. That's, that's what true is. And the Bible says, when I know truth, that word know is a progressive know. Like today, you you're, you're came to church to seek and, and understand more truth. It's, it's an understanding. It's a hearing. But it's also a progressive, I'm learning and I'm going to walk in the truth. When you decide to know truth, there's freedom. Pastor Phil, how do I know when I know truth, because you start to act on it. You start to act on it. See, if I really believed that there was police officers, if I really believed that I was going to get caught, I would have slowed down, but I didn't believe that. And that lie put a lid on my finances. And that's just a small illustration. But today I want to talk about some lies that I think we tell ourselves. And I want to look at a guy named Gideon. If you have your Bibles, his story happens in the book of Judges, Judges chapter six, Verse 11, and this guy Gideon, he's mentioned actually when you look in Hebrews as in the hall of faith, he is actually a hero. He turns out to be a hero, yet he's got some lids in his life that God needs to remove to get him to hero status. I mean, he's literally going to go from a zero to a, a hero. But when we find Gideon, as we start to read in Judges chapter six, we find out that he's hiding out. Why is he hiding out? He's hiding out because the Israelites had turned their back on God. And for seven years, the Midianites had been uh, tormenting them and terrorizing the Israelites. So the Israelites would grow crops. And the Bible says that like locusts, the Midianites would come in thousands of them and take all of their resources. And so the oppression became so bad that the Israelites are now in the mountains, hiding out in caves. Can you imagine that? God's people are hiding out in caves. Have you found Judges chapter six, verse 11? Let's read it. Let's look at Gideon. It says, the angel of the Lord came down and sat down under the oak, uh, sat, sat down under the oak in Oprah. Wow, Oprah's really old. And, <laughs> and belonged to Joash, <laughs> the Asbury, 
where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. I like this. I'm reading it from the NIV, the New International Version, because it kind of says it in just real plain English terms. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders and our ancestors that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how? Can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Today what I want to do is I want to give us four lies that I think Gideon is telling himself that I think we can tell ourselves, but four truths that combat those lies that I believe God wants us to believe. Gideon's hiding out, and uh, he's got some lids in his life because he's scared. He sees the oppression of his people. He's hiding out, and what God will do to lift your lid is he will speak a word over your life. That's how he lifts lids in people's lives. He will come. One translation says that he tells Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. Now, once you get the picture, he's hiding under a tree. He's in this wine press and God sends an angel to show up. Right. And I believe that this is a pre-incarnate picture of Jesus Christ because it says the angel of the Lord. Gideon's going to say that he saw him face to face. And I believe that that's what this is. And the Bible calls it the angel. But when you see the angel of the Lord, it can be a picture of Jesus. And so when he's looking at him. He is speaking over him and he's saying, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And (laughs) what's interesting, and hopefully we can learn from Gideon, how, how do you respond, number one, when an angel shows up and starts telling you, you are a mighty man of valor? You know, the word valor in the, in the Hebrew, um, it actually, it actually means strong, powerful, champion, ability. You have the ability, right? And so here he is hiding out. But what's interesting is that I hope that we don't respond how Gideon responds. Gideon responds to God with his butt. With his butt. Have you ever heard the terminology he's talking out of his butt? This is what Gideon's doing. Hey, you mighty man of valor. But if the... You mighty man, but how, but, but, but God, how, how are you going to do this, God? Right? And I'm not talking about B-U-T-T. I'm talking about the conjunction, but what well, God wants to do this in my life, but, you know, the other day we had some people over our house and there's this uh, little uh, shop near our house called Nothing But Bunt Cakes, Nothing But Bunt Cakes. And what my wife didn't tell me is that, man, they were so delicious. But what she didn't tell me is that all the calories go to your bunt. They go to your bunt. So next time you know that, when you eat nothing but bunt cakes, all the calories are going to go to your bunt. 
That's where they go. And this is what Gideon is doing. He's like, God, but, 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 but. Can I, when I preach this to youth, I call this message, get your butt out of there. Sometimes you need to get rid of your butt and say, God, whatever you say is what's going to happen. And I receive that. And that's what I'm going to be. But if, but now, but when, but how? Stop with the butts. You know, some people have bigger butts. Never mind. So everybody thinks their butt is big, but you don't know my situation than this person. But my butt is bigger than your butt. Because my situation is bigger than your situation. Can I just encourage you? God is bigger than all of your situations. So nothing is impossible to him. So let's stop talking about our butts. Is that a good word this morning? I can't believe he just said that in church. I didn't say it. I'm just reading the NIV translation. That's what he said. Here's the first lie that I think Gideon tells himself and that you and I can tell ourselves. First lie is if God were with us, this wouldn't have happened. The truth is, God never left him. What, Pastor Phil? The reason why God's people were oppressed and living in caves wasn't because God wasn't with them. The truth is, they were no longer with God. The Bible says that they did evil in the sight of God. And what happened was the children of Israel turned their back on God. And so the Bible says that God just took his hands off of them and he allowed the Midianites. This is what disobedience will do in your life. God doesn't leave you, but I'll tell you what, a lot of times we walk out of the umbrella of his protection. This is why God speaks a word and he tells us things. So we walk in his protection. But this morning, I want us to know that God had never left them. They had left God. See, it's important how you view God. See, the way that you view God will eventually show up in the way you live your life. If you believe there's no God, if you don't believe God is around you, that's going to shape your life. And when you have a flawed view of God, you'll always have a flawed view of yourself because he made you. He made you. It's like I love listening to people who think they're techies, right? And they'll tell you how much they hate Apple, right? And they hate Apple. Well, see, if you hate Apple, you're going to hate all of Apple's products. Why? Because Apple made those products. If you have a wrong view of Apple, you're going to have a wrong view of everything that they make because you don't like Apple. But when you understand Apple, you understand their products. When you understand God and know who he is, you will understand you. You will understand how he made you. God has a purpose. He made you with a purpose. God works in faith. He wants you to work by faith. Can I hear a good amen? God speaks those things as not as though they were. He wants you to speak in faith. God is free. He's not bound. He came that you may have life and that you would be free because who the son sets free is free indeed. But if you don't understand God, you're not going to understand yourself and you're sure not going to understand your life because God is the benchmark. But he never leaves us. As children of God, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I know this statement is going to be strong, but we need to hear it. God will never forsake us. But do you know that we can forsake God? He's always there. How do I know he was there? Because as soon as somebody prayed, a prophet shows up. 
The Israelites got so tired of the lid that was on their life. They got so tired of living in oppression. Now, listen, they were in oppression for seven years. So I asked myself this question. Why does it take seven years of oppression for you to get tired? I would get tired after the first week. I would have been praying after the first week, but not them. Some people, how many of you know, they're a little harder head than most of us. Seven years of oppression before somebody's going to cry out. And notice what happens when the Israelites cry out, not only does God show them and send them a prophet? He actually sends them an angel. Do you know that God is only a prayer way? He's only a prayer way in our life. And here we are. We have this struggle sometimes. You know what? I'm going to do things my way, right? Like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Good for you. But I want to do it God's way. And I, I think sometimes in our lives we think God is not there or he's forsaken us. And no, the truth is, is that we have walked out on God. And as soon as they pray, God does something in their lives. But God was always there. Here's number two. The second lie that we can talk, that we can tell ourselves that can be a lid over our lives. Well, I'm just a product of my past. No, the truth is God gives us a whole new identity. That in Christ, you are a whole new creation. Can I hear a good amen? All the old things are passed away. Do you know the Bible even talks about in, 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 the, in the New Testament that there's no Greek, nor Jew, nor male, nor female, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are a whole new identity when he comes inside your life. And the angel shows up and says, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. You're a strong man. You are a powerful man. And you need to know this, my church family. When God shows up, that's what he does. He speaks the potential over your life. He speaks to you what he sees that's already on the inside of you. Can I also say this? That God speaks over you what he desires to bring out of you. You know, he tells Gideon, Gideon, I want you to go in your strength. You know why he can say that to Gideon? Because God had already put strength in Gideon. And see, Judges chapter 4, verse 14 says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this strength of yours, or go in the strength you have and save Israel. How can God even say that? God said it because he put it inside of you. See, when God says that you are more than a conqueror, he's already put the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead already inside of you. It is a conquering, overcoming spirit. So that spirit that is inside of you, right, God will speak a word and says, you are more than an overcomer. Why? Because you already have what it takes to overcome. Oh, Pastor Phil. You don't know my limitations. I can just see Gideon saying this to God. You don't understand my limitations. He actually tells the angel. Okay. He tells the angel, my family, listen, you don't know my family. I can't be a hero. I can't rise up above this lid. Look, here's a lid for you. My family, man, my family is the weakest. And not only that, I'm the weakest in my family. In other words, God, I'm the weak sauce. I'm the salsa that doesn't make your nose run. How many of you know the salsa that doesn't make your nose run is no salsa at all. It's ketchup. I remember sitting across from my dad. He's Hispanic, and we would go to certain restaurants in El Paso, Texas, which has some of the best Mexican food in the entire world. And we were sitting there, and his eyes, and we were just talking about nothing. Just His eyes started to run. His I mean, snot starts coming out of his nose as he's eating the salsa. And I'm looking at him like, are you okay? He's like, oh, this is good salsa. 
Salsas without jalapenos is no salsa at all, ladies and gentlemen, unless you got some green chili and some other stuff. But he basically says, I'm weak sauce. And not only that, I'm the weakest in my family. You know what's interesting to me? Is he doesn't think that God knew about all these excuses before he called him. God knew everything about Gideon. He knows everything about you, and he still calls you. And he not only saves you, but he calls you. This is what he was doing. He was calling Gideon. And here's what you need to know. See, God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. That's what he does. Look at the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from who? From God. And here an angel is standing before him, telling him, that he is going to be a hero, that he's a mighty man of God, giving him a whole new identity. And you know, Gideon just thinks he's a product of the circumstances, a product of his past. My church family, at the heart of any lie is the belief that God doesn't know what's best for your life. We think that in our wisdom, we know what's better. You know, when God speaks his identity over us, That's his promise over you. That's his promise over you. The Bible says, is this what the Bible says? Let the weak say I'm weak. What does the Bible say? Does the Bible say, does the poor say, well, I'm poor. The Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. The translation is I am well supplied. Oh, I know I may not see that right now, but I need to say what God says over my life. I want my words to line up with his words. See, God wanted Gideon to rise up to the level of his confession. See, when I read this, this changed my parenting style. See, God speaks over us what he's put in us. When he speaks over you is to draw out what he's already put in you. See, for those of us that have kids, I have an eight-year-old son now. I've learned how to use my words to encourage him. I've learned how to use my words to speak life over him. And you need to watch your words because your, your kids will always rise up to the level of your confession. Why do you always do that? You always do that. Oh, you know what? You're so embarrassing. You make me embarrassed. Keep speaking that. And wait till they're a teenager. They'll really embarrass you. If you think that as a four-year-old. But you know what? There's ways to say you can do this. You are smart. You have the mind of Christ. I know my, my son, I know many, many, maybe many of your kids, maybe some of your kids, they love math. My son does not. He struggles. He, but you know what? Instead of just saying, yeah, you know, a bunch of kids, I didn't do well in math. Blah, blah, blah. I say, you have the mind of Christ, Gavin. You can do this. And you know, when he does it, he steps into what we've already said about him. We're speaking the life and the word of God, which carries the power of God over his life. See, some of us, if we would just speak life and speak a confession over our family and over our spouse, people will rise up to the level of that confession. Can I hear a good Amen. But see, here's what Gideon's going to have to decide. Gideon's going to have to decide, is my family problems greater than God's promises? Is that, is, that, is that the deal? Can I encourage you? Don't let your words override God's words. You know, we speak. Somebody was talking this week. I was listening to him. And they were saying how we think 500 words a minute. 500 words a minute. And so 
if I just look at Zach and say, hey, Zach, man, you're a mighty man of valor. By the time I finish the end of that sentence, 500 words a minute can override the sentence that I just said. And you can think of all the reasons why you're not, but yet God thinks of all the reasons why you are what he says you are. And our problem is not God. Our problem is the way we think. We think our circumstances are bigger than his problems or promise. We think that the things that are facing us are bigger. No, my church family, God is bigger than all of them. God is bigger than all of them. And let God define your identity, not your family. Let God define who you are, not your friends. Can I hear a good amen today? And so I want to encourage you. God gives you a new identity and he calls you a mighty man of valor. Can I just say that to you, gentlemen in the room? God calls you a mighty man of valor. And let's say, God, if that's what you see in me, that's what I'll be. Come on, ladies. You are a mighty woman of valor, strong, powerful. That word means champion. God's calling weak sauce a champion. But you know what he's going to do? Gideon will rise up to be the champion that God has called him to be. But that lid is over his head. And I want to remind you that lies will always limit you. And those lids will always keep you contained. Right. But God will give you a new identity. Here's the third lie that we can tell ourselves. And I think Gideon told himself this too. God's not moving. The truth is I have a part to play in the move of God. You know, Gideon's telling the angels. Now, I, I find this funny. I believe God. I've never seen an angel. I've never seen Jesus, but in a Christmas play. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Right? I've seen baby Jesus. I played Jesus. We were laughing uh, like 10 years ago in our previous church. I grew a beard. It was about this, this long. And, uh, and uh, maybe if I find the video one day, I'll show it to you. But um, it was it was incredible, incredible play. And they had me come in as Jesus on a live, full blown horse in the back. And my, where's Mikey? Is Mikey Mikey here? Uh, Mikey will attest to it. They would come and have me come in as Jesus and I would come off. The, I mean, it was it was crazy. It was, it was awesome. Right. But I've never seen Jesus face to face. I've never seen an angel and if I did, I would probably be so busy soiling my pants, all right, that I, I wouldn't have anything to say. That, you know, but what I'm saying is I don't need an angel. I have the word of God. But if I see an angel, hey, man, I think that would be good enough for me. But, you know, it's not good enough for Gideon. It's not good enough. He's like, where's all the miracles? Like, dude, there's an angel in front of you. Like, is that not a miracle? Right. He's like, where's all the wonders? I don't see anything changing. Where are the miracles? And <laughs> the reason why the angel showed up is because somebody prayed. Somebody started the move of God through their prayer life because they got tired of the lid of the Midianites oppression where they said, I don't want this anymore. They cried out. The Bible says that they cried out. What does God do? He shows up. That's a miracle. They got tired, sick and tired, living under the lid. 
So they started to pray, right? And so Gideon wants to see God moving, but he doesn't really understand that it's already happening right in front of him. But look what God says. Judges chapter six, verse 14. The Lord turned to him, Gideon, and said this, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending who? Am I not sending you, Gideon? Watch this. God's not talking about your family anymore. God's not talking about all the circumstances that are happening to other people. He's talking to you now. And he said, don't I send you, Gideon? See, Gideon, you're sitting here saying that there's no miracles. You're sitting here and they say there's no wonder. But the champion, the one who's actually going to lead the fight, the one that's actually going to bring about the victory God's going to use you is hiding out. The reason why God is not moving, Gideon, is because you are not moving. You are not moving. See, what if I'm waiting on God to bring the miracle and God is waiting on me to be the miracle? To be the miracle. See, sometimes when I think that God's taking a day off, it's not really God taking a day off. It's me taking a day off. Can I give you an example? It's like you want God to restore your marriage. Oh, God, I want you to restore my marriage. But you can't find the heart to apologize to your spouse. Oh, but you want God to do a miracle. God, you can deliver me from this addiction. And you know what? He can. But you know what? You keep going back to the same people who feed it. You keep going back to the same people who feed it. You know what God says? God says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. God says that we are supposed to go to lay hands on the sick, that you and I, not just pastors, you and I are to go and preach the gospel to all, every creature. Pastor Phil, I'm just praying. I'm just praying that my family will encounter Christ. Guess what? They can encounter Christ through you. And I think that's what we do sometimes. We pray, but then we discount ourselves. Well, I'm just not qualified. Can I just say it again? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Look at the people that he used in this Bible. I mean, Gideon has fear, right? Peter's a fisherman. Peter cusses. Peter denies Jesus. God still uses him. Peter repents. God wants to use your life. But we'll say, God touched my family. What if God wants you to be the messenger to your family? What if he wants you to be the miracle, right? And I think if we will understand that we play a part, whether God moves or not. I love one of my greatest things that I love, and we try to do our best to get you involved in worship. Why? Because when we move, God moves. God's ready to move. God's ready to heal people. God's ready to do something. But you know what? We're just like, God, when are you going to move? He's like, when are you going to get up? When are you going to get up off the couch? When are you are going to start to move? I'm ready to move. I always say this. We're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. Come on, somebody. He's waiting on you. And so I have a part to play. Well, church was boring this morning. Yeah, you were boring. Can I say that in love today? I'm serious. I see some of you. Right? We want to give no attention and get everything back. Do you know if you put something and you come into a service and you're all in, God, I want to encounter you. God, it's all about you today. Okay, I'll have some of that free coffee. But you know what, God, I love you. And it's good to see my friends. Man, but I'm going to get something out of this that you all walk out and go, man, this was one of the best service. God moved. Why did he move? Because you moved. Because you did something. He says, if you'll draw nigh to me, 
You know what? I will draw nigh to you. Why? He's already made it available. You are as close to God today as you want to be. You want to, he's a prayer way. But we got all these things that we think about and we're not good enough. And can we stop all that? Let him give you a new identity. You are a child of God. We are to come boldly into his presence, right? Boldly, the Bible says. And we need to start moving. I wonder what would happen if you started to move on your job this, uh, this week and do something for God. Pray for somebody. Invite somebody to church. Come on, somebody. But start to move. We play a part in God moving. You know, what's interesting to me is that after all that, that the angel tells Gideon, Gideon's still not convinced. He asked God for a sign. Lord, give me, give me some signs. And you know what? God in his mercy shows Gideon. This is what I love about God. God will meet you where you're at, but he doesn't intend to keep you where you're at. He intends to move you. Do you know my church family that Gideon would rise up and inspire over 32 thousand men to fight the Midianites. Do you know that when Gideon stood up, when he stood up, my church family, other people rised up, rised up. <laughs> it's funny. And then people say, man, that's a move of God. How did it happen? It happened because Gideon moved. You know, what's funny is that I think sometimes we, we discount the power of God in our lives. And yet God wants us to have faith like even a child. You know, I was sitting next to my son this week and we were just watching TV and all of a sudden the emergency alert system came on our TV. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It has that incredible sound. And he's never heard that before. So he's like, dad, what is that? I saw it's just, it's, it's a news alert that there can be flash flooding, flash flooding. And, uh, and, 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 and he just looked at me, he says, Jesus says, peace be still. I said, what? I said, it's telling us there's a storm. Yeah, he said, but Jesus would say, peace, be still. And I looked at him, I said, Gavin, don't say Jesus would say that. Why don't you say it? Why don't you say, peace, be still in Jesus' name? And he said, peace, be still in Jesus' name. No storm. Whoa, that, that, that's pretty amazing. I felt God move right there. You know what's amazing? It was a couple days later and we're driving in the truck and I was like, man, our truck is, is dirty. We, we need to go wash this. I said, but thank God, Gav. I said, you know, Gav, his name is Gavin. He's eight years old. I said, Gavin, you know, it didn't storm to, uh, this, this, the last couple days. And he says, yeah, I know, dad. That's because I said, peace be still. And then he started singing something from Just Dance. And I thought, isn't it amazing how we want God to move, but we don't want to have the faith. And the God says that we're supposed to come like a child. So innocent. He looked at the screen and I, I'm a, we do devotional. I, let me just tell you, that's why I believe you should bring your kids to church every week. I was like, where is he learning that? Kids pick up stuff. Kids, you know what? They have faith. It's, they, don't, they don't have to, they believe things just like that. That's why we're supposed to have faith like a child that, you know what? We can just believe just like that. God, you know, dad, it's because I said, peace be still. I want that type of faith that moves mountains. 
You know, the Bible says that Joshua looked at the sun and stopped it. Faith, an audacious faith. Where does that come from? God wants us to move. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. You know what I find interesting about Gideon's story is that there were literally thousands of people just waiting for one person to stand up. For one person like Gideon to stand up and say, let's go, 32,000 men would stand up against the Midianites. And you know what God told Gideon? He says, hey, look, listen, that's too many. We need to whittle this down to 300 because if we have 32,000 people, now there were thousands of Midianites. God was like, look, I don't want you guys to think you brought about the victory. I want you to know that I'm going to bring about the victory. I'm going to bring it about. So let's whittle this down to 300. And here's the last lie. I think we tell us ourselves. Number four, the lie and another lid that we have is this battle can't be won. But the truth is the battle's already won. I don't know what battle you're facing. Look in Judges chapter seven, verse nine, man, this really got Gideon pumped. I hope it gets you pumped. It says during the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up. Everybody say that with me. Say, get up. Come on, say it louder. Say, get up. He says, get up, go down against the camp because I am going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to put it in your hands. My church family, just because God gives it to you doesn't mean it's yours until you take it. Faith is taking it, right? They still had to go up to the battle. But the good thing is the battle is already won. Here's what we need to understand with the new identity that God gives us. You are a child of God. The victory has already been won by Jesus Christ on the cross. Can I hear a good amen? He has already overcome. That spirit is on the inside of you. You are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from a place of victory. See, you need to understand that 2000 years ago, Jesus was beat. His back was open with blood. His stripes were so intense that the Bible says what he did. If you were to look at him on the cross, you would not be able to tell that he was a man. He was so marred. And when that blood flowed from the stripes on his back, your healing was purchased, the Bible says. And so when sickness comes my way, I am not a sick person trying to get well. I am a well person fighting off sickness because the victory is already won. People are trying to attain things that God has already given them. It's like a dog chasing its tail. The tail's already there. It's not going anywhere. Can I hear a good amen today? So the victory has already won, but you have to take it. What's the taking? That's the faith. That's the, I receive it. I receive that. Well, you know what? So since they had faith, faith always is an action. Now, let me just say this. Faith is not a work, but James talks about faith without works is dead. It's not a work, but here's how we know you have faith. We do know you have faith by what you do. Faith is an action. How do we know Gideon rises up in faith? Because he's going to the battle. And this is interesting to me. God tells them, are you ready how they're going to win this battle? God tells them, this is why we need to obey his voice. He says, you need to get some jars. You need to get some trumpets and you need to get some torches. And so they get trumpets. Watch this. This is an incredible strategy, right? And they get the trumpets. They're testing them out. Right? They get their jars. Come on, let's empty all of our essential oils. Come on, we got to use these jars. God is going to use it, right? Let's get the torches. And the Bible says 300 men surrounded the Midianites. 
And God told them, blow the trumpets. Watch the strategy. Break the jars. And they blow their trumpets. They break the jars. They hold up their torches. And guess what starts to happen to the enemy? The enemy actually starts to kill each other. And they start to run and flee. And the Bible says that God, I love this. I love uh, that the Bible says that God brought about a victory with the sword of the Lord and the hand of Midian, of Gideon. The sword of the Lord and the hand of Gideon. Isn't it amazing that they, they didn't, all, all they had to do is blow a trumpet. All they had to do is drop a jar. Can I tell you, all you have to do is be obedient to what God's calling you to do. And the battle is, all, the battle is already won. But here's what happens. When we believe lies, they'll keep you in your limitation. That's why knowing truth is always liberating. And the truth is, my church family, God is here. Can I hear a good amen? He doesn't leave you. The truth is that God gives us a new identity. The truth is, is that we have a part to play in the move of God. And the truth is, this battle that you're facing is already won in Jesus' name. Let me close with this last scripture. Gideon said this in Judges chapter 6, verse 22. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. My church family, God doesn't want you just to have a calling. He wants you to have an encounter with him. He shows up in our life, not just to call you, but he wants you to commune with him. You know, God is looking to move. And I believe even right now in our lives right here. Come on, let's give God a good round of applause for his word. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.